This time on No Not the Mind Probe, episode 24, author, author. John, in this episode, Martha says, if you step on a butterfly, you change the future of the human race. And the doctor replies, then don't step on any butterflies. What have butterflies ever done to you? Well, to be honest, John, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Butterflies in my yard have perpetrated a years-long and very elaborate identity fraud scam on me, wherein a bunch of them fly into my closet they flap their little wings and make it look like there's someone in my clothes and hat and they flutter through the street and then they use my wallet and credit card and pretend to be me. It's all very illegal and an invasion of privacy, but also I have to say incredibly beautiful and majestic to watch. We've had several nature documentaries filming them as they do it. Nonetheless, it's a crime, though not a serious one. The butterflies just use the credit cards to buy cola and candies. So that's what the butterflies have done to me, John. They've made me feel unsafe in my own home. Also, one cut me off in traffic. Uh, can't they just go back to causing hurricanes? One flap of their wing. I mean, just just stick with what you good at, butterflies. Ugh. Ugh. You know, don't get me started on beetles. <laughs> oh, man. Ugh. <laughs> Welcome to No, Not the Mind Probe. Like, no, not the Mind Probe. It's like I'm almost bored with the Mind Probe. I'm like, no, not, not the Mind Probe. Someone else. Do you want to go swimming? No. No, no, no. Um, so many ways to deliver this line. Uh, where do we get the real way it's done? Um, uh, anyway, um, yeah. this is, besides a, a, an analysis of, of line readings, this is a podcast yeah. uh, where we watch, check, and rank. Mm-hmm. Also that uh, every single Doctor Who story ever. Now that's aspirational. We haven't yeah. actually done it yet, but we're we're on, well on our way. Well, it's sort of we're throwing our hat over the wall with each yeah. podcast. We say well, we're going to do it. We're just it's going it. to happen. Yeah. And 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 no matter whether the people tell us not to, which they have <laughs> by their deafening silence, well, yes, we, are, we will continue. <laughs> Fair. Uh, my name is John Grant, uh, and uh, I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. Turns out. Uh, I've been watching it for uh, 36 years. And my name is Porter Mason, and John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for 26 years. I finally said yes. Each episode of this horror podcast, we'll look at two stories. We're going through the new Doctor Who series in order. Mm. And then our curator or sommelier, John, finds a pairing uh, with a a classic Doctor Who story. John, what do we have in store for this episode? I don't remember. Mm. Um, this episode, we visit authors. We, we, we meet great authors uh, throughout history and, and really equivalent, two equivalent authors. Uh, we start with uh, the great William Shakespeare uh, as we go into the next episode of the David Tennant third season. Uh, the Shakespeare Code, which just mm. hints at the content of the episode there. Uh, and we have paired that with the all-time classic uh really the the one of the pinnacles of doctor who uh the sixth doctor story always your favorite and the great perry in time lash meeting uh hg wells as we find out uh at the very very end of the only thing missing is if we could have put in k9 in here it would have been just checked all my boxes (laughs) (laughs) all right let's recap some things all right yeah no, and and you know what? I'm going to start with the Shakespeare Code Ooh, coming to you live. Yep. Uh, if if live blasting from the Elizabethan age. <laughs> <laughs> this is season three of the new series, episode two. It was released on the seventh of April, two thousand and seven. 
and John has prepared a little clip, and it goes yeah, a little a, something. A short one this time. Like this. So tell me, Fredonia, where women can be doctors, writers, actors? This country's ruled by women. Ah, uh, she's royal. That's God's business. Though you are a royal beauty. Whoa, Nelly. I know for a fact you've got a wife in the country. But Martha, this is town. Come on, we can all the good flirt later. That a promise, Doctor. Oh, 57 academics just punched the air. Now move! I didn't even catch his little response when I was watching the episode. I like that. <laughs> 57 academics punch the air. Oh, delightful. Yeah, this I'm is like a very, it. very charming episode. Mm-hmm. Charm. Um, it exudes charm. It so here's here's what went down here. Uh, okay. The 10th Doctor. Uh, we've had nine nine before him. Yep. Right. Three after him. Yep. Did you, are, you are right on target. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he takes Martha Jones on hey. her promised one trip. This is her one and only trip. So say goodbye to Martha. I mean, they don't really do a goodbye, but I think, right. yeah, I mean, this is it for her. Right. So right. great, great job, Martha. Mm-hmm. Uh, they end up in Shakespearean England. Is that a phrase? Shakespearean? I've yeah, I mean, it. Elizabethan, right? It's okay, Elizabethan, Elizabethan, right. Age, but he's in it. The Baconian uh, age. And we know it's the era of Shakespeare because when they get there, they get to see a live Shakespeare play. Pretty right. cool. Mm-hmm. Love's labor's lost, and old Bill is being compelled by his his backers here to capitalize on his success by writing a soulless Hollywood sequel, Love's mm-hmm. Labor's One. Mm-hmm. It's the original Too Fast, Too Furious, John, mm-hmm. but uh, weird stuff is afoot as we see a woman using what appears to be kind of a voodoo doll to hurt people. Uh, the doctor's on the case, and we find out from he visits the the architect of the famous Globe Theater where a lot of Shakespeare's plays were performed in, and that we're seeing uh, in this episode that the entire theater was built on spec for a witch, which seems like something to avoid if yeah. you're building a theater. Um, the witch witch is just, co. It was a you know if you trace back the shell companies, you eventually get yeah. to witches, and you're like, ah, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. back to big, big yeah. witch. Yeah. Everyone's in the pocket of big witch. <laughs> Uh, the witches designed it to focus the power of words uh, mm-hmm. to specific spots, which leads the doctor to identify them as carrionites, which uh, are mm-hmm. a race of aliens, I guess, that use words to channel energy. And uh, that's how. And then they do stuff with it. <laughs> 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 they, do, they do cool tricks. You know, I hope that's, that's, what right. I hope that's how they explained it to other people. Guys, guys. We're going to channel energy, yeah, and we're yeah. going to do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of stuff? I mean, all kinds of stuff. Like, dude, who knows? Who knows? I mean, well, first, we're going to reroute the energy a lot, because yeah, 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 people yeah. love that. But then after we reroute it, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. we're going we're to do stuff. Yeah. Well, these witches, they're using old Billy Shakes here to yeah, yeah. write in a certain paragraph into a sequel that will release more witches uh, into the world or unlock more carrionites in some way. So the doctor and Martha and William uh, try to stop the performance, but the play's the thing. Mm-hmm. The show must Ooh. go on. Right. The witches are released. But then young William of the Shaking Spear, he emerges and he delivers an improvised sonnet that recaptures the witches, with which Martha closes out by using some magical prose from the future, Expelliarmus. Yeah. And we see that Harry Potter is a work of literature on par with the bard. Basically. And and then and then that's it. And again, then Martha says her goodbyes, and we never see her again. Yeah, and that's right. the end of the Martha. episode. Yeah, yeah. It's dark. Anything I miss here, John? Uh, no, you got it. Um, it's a pretty straightforward episode. It is not. Uh, it is not challenging uh, the intellect too much. Um, this is uh, uh, this is a, I 
think, yes, I believe this is the first episode by Gareth Roberts, uh, who is uh, a, he sort of came to to fame in Doctor Who circles anyway, uh, as a writer of some of the spinoff novels um, or the, the New Adventures novels, which were sort of in the wilderness years between the end of the classic series and, and the new one. Um, and he was known for being pretty witty. Uh, he, he liked to do sort of semi-comic novels. Um, and this is a very witty script. Um, this is the, this begins, um, I guess, yeah, yeah, definitely, uh, this begins through the pattern and actually it's, he, he does in a couple of other series, uh, season or stories as well, a uh, sort of finding a gap in, in a, a historical figure's history and filling it in. Right. So, so love right. labors one is an actual lost right, play. Right. Uh, or it's believed to be. There's supposedly a reference to it. There's some, I guess, there's some questions whether it exists or not. But supposedly, you know, there would have been, uh, or there potentially could have been a, a sequel to Love's Labor's Lost. Uh, and so this was sort of, oh, well, we can explain how it's lost. Um, uh, and this, uh, there's a the next series. Uh, we meet Agatha Christie, uh, and uh, same author, and a story where he. Uh, um, where he, he, he explains, um, what happened to her. Uh, she disappeared at one point, uh, in real life. Um, not like she was at a magic show and she disappeared. And was <laughs> home. And she just like really, <laughs> she, she was, they found her car and, uh, like a couple weeks later they found her and she'd lost her memory or something like that. And so oh, this, wow. he tries nothing to explain. Was ever, nothing was yeah, ever Yeah. She never really explained what happened. It was thought to be a mental breakdown of some kind because she just had a divorce. But, um, you know what? We'll talk about that on that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Just to teaser fans. Uh, yeah. yeah. You just don't know. Um, uh, that's we write, we think about these the storylines we've drawn out go that mm, far ahead. Yes. Yeah. Um, season arcs uh, for ourselves. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this just creates sort of that, which is a, a cool, I, I like it. It's a cool conceit, right? It's like, oh yeah, we've got a time travel story and, you know, we want to incorporate aliens and monsters and all kinds of cool stuff. And, uh, but we also want to meet historical figures and, you know, this is a great way to do it, right? Not mess with their history, but at the same time, right, right. uh, uh, you know, uh, explain some gap in their history. Um, you don't have to have like, you know, Martha accidentally like killing William Shakespeare and then having to be like, sorry. <laughs> Did I do that? And then they're like, "Oh no, yeah. William Shakespeare's dead." Now. That was the, the abandoned Urkel season. Was just that he just did I do that? And then well, yes, you just killed Hitler, Urkel. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but then they abandoned. They're like, I, I just don't think it's going anywhere. No, um, they're like, if we're going to incorporate a black companion, I feel like this is insulting to the many people of color. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> to, to, to bring in Urkel. Um, uh, I, I assume UK fans of pro- UK probers. Will you know who Urkel is? Probably. I've yeah. never been to Urkel. Right in, like as you have been. You know, just keep <laughs> right keep bringing, Chris Pratt, keep, at keep Pratt, 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 uh, and let him know. Um, uh, I think. Oh, so this uh, has a lot of references to uh, J.K. Rowling, including the final uh, line. He also talks about um, uh, he just I think came out of before the last book had been published. Uh, and he makes a reference to, oh, oh I that, cried or I read it. Mm, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which is uh, funny. Uh, this was at a time they were either talking to her or thinking about talking to her. But they there was a, an attempt to get her to write an episode of Doctor Who. Oh, um, wow. And I think she was interested, but it never quite worked out. Um, uh, but so there's several references throughout the, the series to Harry Potter. Um, and uh, and yes, yeah, so this is sort of the most complimentary to her. Um, uh, this starts the running joke around uh, Queen Elizabeth um, that uh, there becomes a running gag through the series that the doctor has some history with Queen Elizabeth. Uh, uh, you know, she comes in at the end and 
is like sees him and gets angry and and sends chases people sends people after him or something like that uh and it becomes like something happened between him and her isn't uh, that just the tooth and claw mm. no that's victoria with tooth and claw oh i keep look you're downy right. english queens get them together uh, come on yeah 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 yep. <laughs> so, yes this is elizabeth i just have to keep track of two of them really yeah, right i mean the and then i guess one, victoria i mean yeah. we'll throw her in but yeah um, so, uh, yes, uh, so some running, running joke here, uh, to carry on. Um, I think the effects are great in this uh, story. Uh, it is a heavily, um, it's an interesting, I, I thought it was, I was noticing as I was watching it, it's an interesting design to the story because it actually, um, it looks stagey, right? Like when they land and they're outside the, uh, the Globe Theater or whatever, and you see like sort of Elizabeth in London, it looks like a stage, right? It just looks a little play-like. Um, even when even the parts that's not meant to be a play, the part that meant to be a play looks play like that's good. They did that well. <laughs> the, part, the rest of it, which looks is like fine. Like looks I like don't mean it in a critical way. Yeah, it's just like it is. Yeah, it, yeah. Of course, it's a play about the theater. I, it would look a little like that. Well, um, obviously, but I think well, and and we'll you know we'll see different mainly of the of the of the new series with this. Um, I think that strikes there. There's a tone to a visual tone to the show as well, and I think yeah. it fits into that where it's not. Again, it's not like this is the gritty reboot of Doctor Who. It's still Doctor Who. So right. like it shouldn't feel but so immersive in a way. Um what's good about it as you mentioned about this episode is it's it's consistent throughout. You're never broken right. like the even if it does feel maybe not like realistic, uh, it's never broken throughout the show. All the effects that they use are pretty seamless and just add to the plot. I mean like the just the the theater scene itself is great. I mean, that looks. Yeah, so they did really film good. that apparently at the Globe uh, Theater. Oh, that wow. has been reproduced in London, right? They have the they have a Globe that's uh, off the, what is it? Um, Canary Wharf area, I think, right? Uh, and, um, right, you know, when you're in London, have you not yeah. have you been? Uh, have I been? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think they, I think they did uh, film it there, uh, but it looked great. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, it obviously fits with the with the setting which is the club theater so i thought that matched up well they were like oh it's in yeah. the home and it looks like well, they really lucked into that I mean. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, um and of course you get uh you get um this is really or they're really starting to establish the storyline which is it'll be interesting to see how you react to this as it goes of martha really liking the doctor like she's really into him uh you know they share the bed uh at night and uh um you know he's clearly like oh rose would know exactly what to say right now or something like that and she's like thanks yeah uh yeah. um <laughs> apparently it was originally written that the doctor was like stripped down to his underwear to go to sleep uh and uh, <laughs> and david Tennant was like no that's that's no. not how it works um and uh you know again just just twisting the knife for poor martha it'd be like yeah he's just so completely not interested in you that he's I, uh, yeah i i like this i mean so far i like this interplay one because it, it was set up really well in the first episode where when she meets him they make out like i mean not they make out but they have this long yeah, kiss. The kiss and and then she's sort of whisked away and swept off her feet and um so i i buy that she's into this guy and he's attractive enough that like she's very beautiful he's attractive enough that you're not like well this is crazy why would she be into this guy it's like ah sure i don't know um him being distracted by rose i've spoken to before is a little strange of course they have this long uh deep friendship and relationship 
But the way he looks back at her with, like, you know, again, like everything she did was so wonderful. It's like, oh, Rose would really. It's like, I don't, I still don't buy this, but <laughs> I, I, I guess I buy it from the sense of you do that when you break up with someone. Yeah. You kind of, you might go through a period where you're just really missing things or, or seeing them in a light that's uh, even more positive than I'm really trying not to say rose colored glasses again. It's very difficult. Yeah. I'm trying not to say yeah. he looked back at Rose with rose colored glasses, right. but it's very difficult. Yeah. He looked back at Rose with Martha colored glasses. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say I liked that this we've talked before about mixing magic and science here. Yeah. And these are literally witches. And they seemed to, to in these historical episodes delve more into magic, partly because they, they tried to and this one they more fitted into the plot saying, well, this in earth history was seen as magic actually it was an alien thing so like it sort of plays into it each time they do it tooth and claw um yeah the charles dickens uh one they 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 sort of set it up as like it seems like it's magic actually it was this i think they do a good balance here of it's magic with enough science to just make it like feel okay but they don't like go into it and be like let me stop for five minutes and explain why these witches are actually aliens it's like you know he just says you know they focus that whatever he says about focusing the vocal energy and um well yeah and, fine, and they you know? and they um i i, I yeah the science the, the the pseudoscience is interesting i think because it is um it i don't know if you've ever read the book godel escher and bach it's very oh no i never read that I, I, i've heard of it neither have i but i have it uh <laughs> <laughs> i started to read it it's very long um but it is, they're talking about the relationship interrelationship between mathematics and art and music um and you know there is there are from the first you know 50 pages that i got through uh <laughs> some interesting concepts about sort of uh you know that mathematics that numbers uh, sort of manifests in the real world. I'm not explaining it very well, but basically the power of numbers, right? That, that mathematics, through sort of sheer mathematics, you could create something, which you can kind of do within computers, right? Like using, bio, sure. you know, you're going to be able to create one day artificial intelligence, or we are creating artificial intelligence, which is basically mathematics, right? It is it is a combination of numbers, uh, or, or it is, yeah, it's creating some kind of intelligence through numbers, right? Um, and so, you know, I think the, the idea here was, well, in this other dimension, words function like that, um, right. which is, you know, it's it's an interesting idea. Uh, and what I like about this, I, I was noting on this episode is, um, you know, writers, of course, love to talk about how powerful words are and aren't words wonderful <laughs> and aren't we so great. Uh, and they do that here. And obviously, it's William Shakespeare, so you can kind of get away, but they don't overdo it, which I thought was kind of nice. You know, you get to the final it's really the final moment where he's like, Shakespeare, you're Shakespeare, you're great, and you can do whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, I'm not sure I totally buy that. Uh, you know, it'd be like if someone, you know, if I had done a few math problems and someone's like, you can totally use this physics you've never heard of before. And if you just, and if I just started randomly yelling numbers, they'd be like, <laughs> yes, yes, you can do math. Well, you uh, just think but, of him as, right, if you had to pick anyone or he's one of a few yeah. people they said like, you have an innate talent at words and putting the right words together. So he and and you've been being you've been fed these words by these carry nights for a while. So your instincts about this are the best shot we have here. Yeah. You know, and it I, barely I, I works. buy it. You know? Yeah, it barely works for me. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, and and again, I, I he's great. I think his performance is great. I forget what the actor's name is, uh, but I think he does a very good job with it. Um, and then of course, uh, likewise, we'll see in the Agatha Christie episode to come uh, the the incorporation of various 
Shakespearean lines and, oh, I think I'll use that or, or you know, influencing uh, him with his own work um, is, is very interesting. Uh, uh, Doctor Who has... has um, dealt with Shakespeare in many different uh, formats. Um, and uh, I don't think he never has run into him specifically in the series, but has made reference to him, you know, that, that Tom Baker at one point was claimed to have, you know, been writing, uh, wrote, wrote the original draft of Hamlet for uh, Shakespeare when he was, or he dictated it to, to the fourth doctor. And um, uh, there's a great, great story uh, in the audios with the fifth doctor uh, called the Kingmaker, where it turns out that, Shakespeare was actually a crazy person who started traveling in time and tried to go back to Richard the Third to kill Richard the uh. Third because he wanted him. To, anyway, um, they played with the character uh, Shakespeare as a character quite a bit, and of course, we don't know for sure that Shakespeare is who we all think he is, right? Like that that you know that he wrote all the or he wrote everything. You know, the theories about Bacon and others uh, as to whether. Shakespeare even existed or not. So, um, yeah, I guess you have a little bit more license to play with him. But, yeah, it's it's a solid episode. Um, uh, uh, the actor's name is Dean Lennox Kelly. Yeah. And uh, Dean so Kane. No. He's not. He's notably not Dean. Notably Kane. not. All right. Is yeah. that what it says in his bio? Not Dean Kane. So. <laughs> Very definitely not Dean Kane. Declared in a press conference, I am not <laughs> Dean Kane. Um, yeah, I, I I thought this episode was great. Um, I thought the one thing they did well that I want to mention before we go on is it's flush with references, probably more than I know. I'm not like a Shakespeare expert, but plenty of references that I thought I thought the script was really good because they were clever and both sometimes just in the background and then also done with kind of this wink and a nod and never felt cheap like they knew when to as they say in the old writing game like hang a lantern on it like sometimes they'd make a little reference and be like let's stop and just talk about that little reference <laughs> clever that way and, and call attention to it because if they didn't it would feel too cute and then other times there are references that just kind of fly by in the background that it's just like oh wow that's awesome and then but but it's done seamlessly enough that you don't have to stop and look at it so i thought it was very well done yeah i mean it's hard right it's hard with shakespeare because everybody knows it so well obviously you and i memorized most of it um most, yeah. uh and our, our theater days back in college we were mm. excellent shakespearean mm-hmm. actors um yes. uh it's more again looking forward to the christie episode it's interesting there because um they basically i think it was a game uh, for the writer to try to incorporate uh, as many titles from her books into lines as possible um and it was interesting to as someone who is an aficionado of Agatha Christie, um, I was able to pick most of them out. Uh, and it was interesting to watch it with someone who wasn't, uh, as to be like, does this, you know, one line is like sparkling cyanide, which is one of her name of book. And it's like, does that stand out to someone else or not? And, uh, you know, again, here it's kind of like, oh, the play's the thing. And like, you know, some of the, um, but even like more subtle things like, uh, you know, three witches, right? The, the story begins with three witches. It's Macbeth. Uh, and they don't call that out explicitly, which I thought was, was kind of nice. Um, so, yeah, it's both subtle and, and direct, as you say. They, they hang a lantern on it. All right. We're moving on. We're moving on, John, because moving look, right along. set Foot this little fancy free. That's right. Muppet. Shut the I know. I know. I know. What I, you're know I know. Am I Kermit or are you Fozzy or uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Mm, That's a good question. Scenario. Hmm. Great question. Probers right into Pratt. Pratt. Who's the Kermit? Just say Chris Pratt. Dear Chris Pratt. John is Kermit. Uh, and then again, that'll get to us. You know, John, uh, we're <laughs> going to recap the classic episode. Yeah. It's called 
time lash and you uh sort of teed it up for me as the worst piece of junk ever and uh I, you know that's helpful to set expectations it's it's from season 22 which i've as i've said several times once you get past season 20 yeah. it's it's just tough for any show well, again um, let's, let's be clear for folks the conventional wisdom is that the mm. pinnacle of season 22 is vengeance on Varus. So that's that's where we are, folks. That's the bar to clear. I'm telling you, more and more, I look back with fondness on Vengeance and Varos and Megalos, both. I appreciate them. Yeah, uh, this was the hurdle to clear, and the series <laughs> uh, tripped and fell face down in the mud <laughs> with, with the timeline. Yeah. So this is the fifth story of season twenty-two. It's it's only it's blissfully two episodes. Mm-hmm. That's that's what you can say for it. It was released uh, the ninth and the sixteenth of March in nineteen eighty-five. And here is a clip. Where's Perry? You promised a safe return. Ah, yes. Well, you shouldn't believe everything that people tell you, Doctor. You gave me your word, you microcephalic apostate. I demand to see the Borad immediately. Admit defeat, Doctor. Never. (laughs) The stories I've heard about you, the great Doctor, all-knowing and all-powerful. You're about as powerful as a burnt-out android. <laughs> Our ruler has finished with you, once and for all. We can't do this, Tegan. Shut up, or you'll be joining him. You're as warped as your dictator, friend. Save your breath for the time lash, Doctor. Most people depart with a scream. <laughs> uh, some great scenery chewing there. Yeah. Huh. Save um, your breath, Doctor. Most people depart with a scream. I've been trying to work again. Another line you try to work in to you know casual conversation. This uh, episode, yeah. and you, you'll tell me more about the the author here, but you can really feel the writing in this episode. <laughs> uh, here's here's what happens uh, to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> uh, it's the six, it's the sixth Doctor. Hey. Oh. and Perry. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're off to a great start as the Doctor and Perry recite some words that were written for them. And uh, one of just that opening scene is just one of the worst things uh, that I've seen, Um, both written and performed. It is very bad. But punctuated by the never before seen. And I think you're going to be surprised to hear never seen again. TARDIS seatbelts. Uh, yes, which, are, which they hook on in all sorts of places. Yeah, they, and then just wobble back and forth. Uh, yeah, you got to give it to them. Uh, yeah, I want to talk more about <laughs> uh, the Sixth Doctor and Perry's relationship. It is, it just doesn't make any sense. Uh, they fight with each other for no discernible reason. They're just screaming at each other. Uh, the TARDIS travels through a time portal and uh, arrives on a planet that has some issues. Yeah, and first they have an open time portal and yeah. you really want to see someone about something like that because that can get infected yeah. you, you want to watch that. that second they are being ruled by an unseen ruler the borad and it's always a problem for your ruler to be unseen right uh see wizard of oz you know it's a bad bad thing mm-hmm. it's also a problem to be ruled by someone who puts a the in front of their name the borad yeah. uh see again wizard of oz the yeah, wizard true. of oz if, if we had if the race had been between donald j trump and the biden we yeah, might no. have been concerned. We might have been like, Not no, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I like the Biden. Yeah, yeah. Half the people here seem cool with the unseen leader that tells them to do terrible things. Um, a few others begin to pipe up, including one plucky lad, the son-in-law of the Borad's current head puppet, 
who's called the Malin, the the the, yeah, the, the guy boss. that the Borad puts sort of in charge. Um, the son-in-law confides to his dad that he has plans for a rebellion, but uh-oh, the Borad was listening, even though he said he wouldn't. Wow, what? <laughs> um anyway moving along there it's about both... the level of acting too when it's revealed they're like uh oh the poor actor's listening <laughs> moving through this they're both killed or pushed into the time portal or time lash or something a new malin is put in place who we just heard the scenery chewing fellow decker, there yes. decker yes Paul darrow uh the doctor gets involved uh eventually about, about <laughs> an hour and a half in <laughs> he wanders onto set <laughs> and then there's some other group of aliens who look like kind of cool fish people they, they look kind of cool actually yeah. uh, and the they're these girls, like fish yeah. people it seems they're attacking and also the borad is actually a human who attempted genetic experiments on himself turning him into a hybrid hmm. with a human and the monsters that rule or or that that delve in the caves the below Mor- their land. Yeah. Uh, they're called the Morlocks. Perry is caught, and she's kept as bait for the Morlocks. Right, she's tied to so, a stake. Yep, for that's right. At least so forty can, minutes. Yeah, that's right. So he can turn her into a half breed, and she can rule beside him. Always a great plan to get the girls <laughs> chain them up in a dungeon <laughs> so that they can breed with monsters. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's some kind of amulet that everyone needs, and the do- the daughter of the father from before jumps in the, the time lash with the amulet. The doctor jumps in after her, and they arrive in 1800 Scotland, where they meet Herbert, who's my saving grace. I love Herbert. Yeah. Um, he goes on my list of companions. Yeah. I yeah. know for obvious reasons we'll find out at the end of the episode why he is not a companion, but I loved him. Mm-hmm. He was great. I, I really <laughs> liked him. He is a a young scottish guy i suppose from the 1800s he decides to come back with the doctor he uh there's a lot of sturm and drang but ultimately the doctor <laughs> defeats the borad by really believing in himself yeah, and my, doing the care bear stare later, yeah. or something and then the fish people are now cool with the humans again and herbert is going to stay and this makes no sense when the doctor says it he just says, no, he'll decide to go back. And he does, I guess, because he knows who he is. So ultimately, Herbert is Herbert G. Wells, H.G. Yeah, Wells, Herbert the George author. Wells. And that was a that was a tweet. I did not know yeah, that or see no, that coming at all. OK, I was going to ask that. Yeah. OK. No, I didn't see that coming at all. Um, And it was it, more than anything. It wasn't so much. Oh, cool, Doctor Who. It was more like, oh, John Grant. That's why. That's the connection. <laughs> I see the connection in these yeah, two episodes. Sometimes it takes a little bit. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was pretty pretty bad. But I like <laughs> Herbert a lot. Um, so anyway, yeah, that didn't do a good description of this plot. I don't know what did you, I miss. You John? described it, was... it with about the enthusiasm with which I think it was written <laughs> and, and and produced as well. Um, uh, so yeah, I was curious about that. Um, uh, are you a fan or familiar with uh, like the Time Machine and more of the worlds? And like so, so Vina is the name of the woman in the future in the Time Machine and the Morlocks and the Eloy. Oh, I don't know okay. if they had an Eloy here, but uh, the idea was. Again, like the Shakespeare one, but let me a little bit more directly that all these were stories that obviously H.G. Wells would use. Um, the uh, the doctor uh, uh, puts on a little time thing that allows him to move around and appear to be in one place, but moving around doing other things, which is the Invisible Man. Oh right, uh, right. yeah, it's sort of all these these references. Um, uh, and so I, you know, it's supposed to hint at 
I can't tell if it's supposed to hint at this or if it's supposed to be like, no, no, I'm not copying ideas from someone else. These are legitimate. <laughs> I'm, this is deliberate, these references to uh, stories that I've already written. Um, yeah, this is not um, well-loved. Uh, Glenn McCoy is the writer, uh, uh, never wrote for Doctor Who before or again, uh, <laughs> uh, who was banished from England by the Queen uh, and uh, is not allowed back. No. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, just didn't quite work. Um, uh, and and to their credit, uh, Colin Baker and uh, Nicola Bryant, the Doctor and Perry actors, uh, hated the story. Uh, Nicola Bryant was like, all I did was spend the second episode tied to a pole. Uh, she's like, that's the best they could come up with for my character. Yeah. It was pretty annoying. Well, look, I mean, before we move on from the writer and and uh, Colin Baker and Nicole Bryant, I, I, what I don't understand is, yes, it's poorly written across the board. That said, the scenes with them in particular are particularly bad. Like, for example, when they move on to the planet and there starts to be just some interaction between the, the townspeople there, it's immediately much better. And so I can't figure out, is their level of acting just that much better? Are the scenes that much worse written for... It seemed like the scenes written for the Sixth Doctor and Perry, it, like they're still just trying desperately to be like, who are these people? Like, why are they talking to each other? Because Colin Baker's lines, he seems to be... You know what they feel like? All of his line readings feel like you do a, a line reading that makes sense. And then the director's like, try something really weird that wouldn't yeah, make sense for wacky, this line reading. And that's take, what... Yeah. It's not even wacky. It's like... It, <laughs> There are emotions imbued in the lines that don't make any sense. Like he, like I said, he's suddenly angry with her at times. At other yeah. times, he takes weird pauses and acts surprised, and it doesn't make any sense. Like it's so strange. Yeah. He was supposed to be so. Um, uh, Colin Baker took the role. Uh, they were trying to again do something in total contrast to Peter Davis in the Fifth Doctor, uh, who comes before the Sixth. Uh, mm. so, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, right. It's exactly. all starting to fit together now. <laughs> really, when you step back from it, it's amazing how it all comes together. Uh, and. Uh, so they were looking for something that was a real contrast. You know, the six doctor was sort of all very friendly and nice and all this. And they wanted a real contrast. And then Colin Baker, um, unwisely, uh, when he got the role, said, I I love, I can't, I'm so excited to play this role. I'm going to play it longer than the fourth doctor, Tom Baker, played it for seven years. And then he was fired after two years. Um, but uh, his the idea was that they wanted to emphasize his alienness. They wanted to give him kind of a fractured personality. Hence the coat was supposed to be a symbol of his psychology. Right. Uh, And um, they, uh, and then they said he will soften over time. Right. So people, but we never got there, but we never got there. Uh, Yeah. His, his very first episode of twin dilemma, he tries to kill Perry in like a a emotional, like a, 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 some sort of attack, a mental attack. uh, And, um, uh, and yeah, and I think they just the writers were writing for that and they weren't really doing. And so and both uh, he and, and, um, and Nicole Bryant are excellent in the audio adventures uh, and they do a very good job. Oh, he's uh, he's clearly a very good actor and, and it would have worked or if they'd gotten it quite right, but they just didn't quite get it right. And it's not helped by the fact, again, that they have to also for whatever reason, I don't know why so many of the stories in this season takes like 40 minutes for him to even get there. And it's like they like they're you know mucking around in the TARDIS, putting on seatbelts and stuff. What? And it's like, why <laughs> is this happening? And then the rest of the story is going on, and like we're setting up the story, then they'll show up. But it's like, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't but work. so much of the line, and there, look, there are other scenes when we just heard one in the clip that you had, where there's other very kind of like just 
just uh, lines that are just over unwieldy and stuff like that. But yeah. I will say not just in this episode, but in the other episode or two, I forget if we've seen of them, the lines that are written with them and the TARDIS talking to each other are, are they are not written as though any two people would ever <laughs> say these things to each other, just the cadence of it all. And then, like I said, when they go to other people talking it actually so, it sounds like humans talking to one another and it just doesn't say it's so strange. Like, yeah, they were trying to I, make I him know. be like a, you know, his vocabulary and what's, what's the insult microphallic apostate or something. Microsalphic. Apostate. Now this is not how, so Paul Darrow yeah. uh, plays Malin uh, Decker. Uh, and he, um, uh, so he was actually in the Silurians. He was the captain uh, in Doctor Who and the Silurians. Oh. Um, and then he became very famous. He was in a, a, a sci-fi show that's famous in the UK. It's not really well known. I don't think outside of it called Blake Seven. I don't know if you ever heard of it. Um, it Is was, it Blake Seven and the Silurians? Yeah, that Blake Seven and the Silurians. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, um, it was written by Terry Nation or created by Terry Nation, uh, who, who created oh. the Daleks. Um, and it was sort of this darker 1970s sci-fi show. And he played the the bad guy in in that show. And they're sort of famous. I've actually never seen the show. Um, and uh, and he played him very sort of true the scenery bad guy. Uh, and so then he gets this part. And so apparently the story goes that he he really wanted to play this character as Richard III. <laughs> like he wanted to be like oh, and, and so he kept rehearsing it very over the top Richard the third. He wanted like a hunchback. Like he wanted all the way. Uh, and um and the producer kept saying, No, dial it back. And so then he would play it normally in rehearsal but then he would sort of try to sneak up on it in the performance and then they had to keep reaching and like no no and so what you're seeing is him trying to play it in a way that the director and the producer were like please stop please stop it <laughs> um and so you get that sort of again that really <laughs> weird over the top uh performance um uh the um uh, so yeah so you get paul darrow he's overacting it the other people are sort of all over the place um you also have and this may explain a lot of so the episode two significantly underran to the point where they had to in the next story they were filming they had to take about five to ten minutes of tardis scenes and film them to fill time because like once they did the second episode edit it was under running by like 10 minutes and mm. that's why you get those long scenes in the tardis with perry and herbert right when he goes the doctor goes off to sacrifice himself yeah, and, yeah. Thing. and what's stupid about them is and this is a very famous moment of the missiles coming towards them they're like oh we're all gonna die and there's all this drama about how they're all gonna die and then it cuts to back to the planet the tardis materialized and they're like, how did you escape? And he goes, I'll explain later. And then yes. <laughs> it's like you had 10 extra minutes. You yeah. could have come up with something. <laughs> it's not like it's like, oh, well, how, how could we come up with a reasonable explanation based on the physics of it? Like, I don't understand. Like, oh, I'm sorry, the sock puppet aliens that we were fighting uh, <laughs> didn't work. Um, so, yeah, that that's an annoying uh, part of it. Um, I do. I I think the guy playing the Borad is good, and I think his voice is great. He's got that great, uh, uh, yeah, he's good. The, the evil sort of sonorous voice. Um, although I do, I can't. <laughs> so he's got the, and this will fit into next week's Macroterra too. Uh, interestingly, uh, some some kind, of, but they've got the you know he's got the fake appearance of him right, on the yeah. screen, uh, and then they go to his sanctum. It's like or an whatever. android, right? Yeah, and he's he's clearly there's a chair 
facing the wall immediately next to all the other actors. Yeah. And they, yeah. it seems like they can't see it. And then he turns around like, ah, the bird. <laughs> where did you come from? And like, it's been right there. <laughs> 10 minutes. Um, yeah. It's, it's the, um, the, the uh, Dr. Who magazine review of the story when it came out on tape was kind of like, um, uh, tried to come up with a defense for the story and was kind of like, yes, it's terrible, but it's like, we should treat it like the the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and we could all watch it, and we could throw things at the screen, and you know, <laughs> the review ends. It's like let's do the time lash again, and it's like, nah, I don't think so. It's a nice I don't know. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's not. Um, it doesn't have as much silly terribleness as um, Vengeance on Varos, uh, wow. or or Megalos, and um it is short too which sort of works for and against it it's it's short so that's good but i think some really interesting terrible things came from the longness <laughs> of vengeance on varos and megalos where like in filling time they just started making very strange choices uh this is a little more on just the boring side and not good but like i said there's some bright spots um i like the little scene with I think it's Herbert and the doctor where he's telling them like, yeah, we're going to die. Like that's where, you know, there's, that's actually a nice little moment. Yeah. Herbert um, is sort of brave and like, okay, you know, if I'm going to die then this for this, yeah, yeah. Brave, but like also sort of dealing with it and scared of what's happening. And, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there's some okay parts and I will say that the special effect of going into the timeline, <laughs> one, of, one of the best things ever, which is basically just, someone they just fade out like they just fade them out and there's several times when it's supposed to be this big scary thing but like it's like guys if the time lash is this really awful thing that no one wants to go into maybe don't leave it in the middle of the room open all the time (laughs) maybe put a wall around it's got some sparkly tinfoil in front of it you know and again you might fall through the tinfoil you really have to want to fall through it like a lot of people accidentally fall through it by having to run up a ramp uh, and then the whole scene where they they lower the doctor on a rope into the time lash. Oh my and, god! Yes, and it goes on for a very long time. So here's okay. So they're lowering the doctor in on a rope. Doesn't make any sense that the rope is going through time. But mm-hmm. let's just set that aside. Actually, mm-hmm. they have about like ten people holding on the other side of the rope. You know, to make sure. I guess the, the doctor's not pulling them. Is that time it, yeah. isn't pulling them. I don't know. At a certain point, they're like, "We need to help the doctor." You ten nine of you stay here. One of me is now also going to go down the road. It's like this doesn't make sense. We're making it harder and harder to hold this up. And then two more people say, "Like stay here. I'm going to also go down on the road." It's like, what are we doing? Why are we making? It? You guys not know basic sort of physics here. Maybe it doesn't matter in the time lash. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah. And what's like it's like that scene in Poltergeist uh, where uh, they tie a rope to Craig T. Nelson and he goes into the to the to the little portal there and then comes out with a child is roughly how it happens. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of his children, it's not like he just gets a random child. It's like, ah, I got to deal with this. Uh, is that actually what coach is a spinoff of? Yeah. Is that, that mo- so he goes through the portal and then he ends up coaching a yeah. mid range. Yeah, he uh, pulls Jerry Van Dyke team. out of the portal and oh. is like, Oh, we got to make a sitcom now. Oh. And then Shelly <laughs> for comes in. The way. I imagine like doc Brown said that. <laughs> Marty, we gotta make a sitcom now. <laughs> we have to do it, Marty. <laughs> we gotta make Coach. <laughs> well, the greatest sitcom where everybody goes, "Oh yeah, that was like a sitcom." <laughs> themes are things I write about. Themes are things I know. 
Themes are things that authors put into books and shows. They are themes. Ooh, that's like a folksy, like a Peter, Paul, and Mary doing themes. Like yeah. sort of a folk. Yeah. I just lay down <laughs> the opening track, and then I'm going to layer on the harmonies later. Right. Yeah. And then there's just a guy in the car going, themes, themes, <laughs> themes. <laughs> have you seen, have you paid attention to uh, on TikTok, there's the a big uh, sea shanty revival where people sing sea, because I guess the deal with TikTok is uh, you're, you, you can record audio over other people's audio and kind of layer onto it. So they sing these complicated sea shanty harmonies, and it's become this whole thing. They're very good. These kids, they're great. <laughs> I I am aware that this has happened, uh, and I will have no part of it. Okay. Uh, yeah, fair <laughs> uh, I I I've just discovered it's not just a sea shanty, uh, but it is. It's my new my one of my new favorite songs. I discovered I, Canadian probers will probably know it. Uh, it's called, I think it's called the last Saskatchewan pirate or something like that. Um, and it's like a drinking song. Uh, yeah. The last Saskatchewan pirate by, uh, by, um, a, a group called, uh, who are probably probers. So um, shout out to captain tractor, hmm. uh, which apparently, and it's very funny. It's about a farmer who runs out of money, goes on a killing spree. No. Uh, oh. and, and starts, uh, uh pirating, Hey, I guess I don't. I, you know, I, I've drifted in and out. I'll be honest. <laughs> anyway, well, we were talking about themes. Yeah, we were actually talking about themes, <laughs> yeah. and what we were going to talk about uh, as a theme here is Doctor Who, or just in general stories and influencing history and how yeah. that, uh, how like obviously both these stories quite directly they say certain ideas come up that are implied like that's how Shakespeare got this idea. And you point, I didn't know all this about HG Wells because I don't yeah. know those stories as well, but that seems like they pretty much were like, Hey, HG Wells, here's your career. We yeah. give you your yeah. entire career. Yeah. So implies some things about, um, about well, that these, they're not uh, creative. Well, that's what I think is. Interesting. It's like sort of, um, so it's, it's interesting. And I think it's one of the challenges for Dr. Who, right. Is, uh, you know, you want to meet interesting and influential people in history, but you, you know, who you meet and how you influence them, uh, it kind of, it, it kind of, you know, you don't want to undercut them right in some way. So, so this really comes in, um, in the second or the first season. So only two seasons ago of the, of the 13th doctor, Jody Whitaker. Uh, there's an, ep- there's an episode called Rosa, which is an interesting episode of Ro- uh, echo of Rose. And she meets Rosa Parks and everybody was kind of like, Ooh, ooh. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um it's actually incredibly well done so first of all uh, a woman of color uh, wrote it they didn't be like don't worry this white guy i'll write it and, and i thought you were fine. gonna say first of all a woman of color played rosa parks <laughs> like, well, I, I hope so <laughs> no it was scarlett johansson she's amazing oh, uh, <laughs> um uh no, so um, but one of the things that add before it was coming, people were like, "This is a really dangerous area," and especially for a British person to write about, because you know, obviously, that this is a history that you know they aren't quite as familiar with. Um, and uh, it was it ended up being really well done. But one of the things people were talking about was like, "Oh, you don't 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 have it be like 
the doctor super glued her to the bus seat or like, you know, like <laughs> don't take away or that she was a cyberman uh and you know she reprogrammed her or something like don't take away from this figure what she did um and you don't run into that i guess you just don't run into that with with shakespeare or or hg well i mean well, does it bother you that they're like oh shakespeare was not the guy we all thought he was <laughs> like <laughs> no i mean well no i thought the shakespeare thing is incredibly well done now like we don't know exactly who Shakespeare was or, or whatever, um, other than, of course, the documentary Shakespeare in Love, which right. we've all seen. And they had some great footage in that. I don't know how they got that footage. Yeah. And, and David Mitchell and Upstart Crow. I don't know if you've seen Upstart Crow. <laughs> <laughs> but but I thought the way they portrayed him here, basically, they just made some choices about like, well, we're going to choose to think of him as this type of character. Um, when the doctor, or, to your point, when the doctor arrives, he's already a Shakespeare is already a genius and right. and so it's not like the doctor is uh and what you see is that and I like I really like the way they play his character is that he's like a collector of turns of phrase and words so what he is throughout the whole episode is sort of listening for little things that are said and occasionally the doctor will say something and he's like oh I, I want to use that one I like that yeah. but not in a way that it's like oh my god so all of shakespeare just came it's like no sure. he's clearly collecting things from everyone he ever meets and uh, that's probably was true of shakespeare um and and didn't you, in many ways we didn't know you go was, like right? to be or not to be eh, sounds like pretentious he like dismissed yeah, right, it as right. not a great turn of phrase <laughs> well those are fun because again i in this particular episode i think the way they do that is when they have like a cute moment like that they kind of really uh they make a clear joke of it and the H.G. Wells thing, I don't know. I don't know enough about those stories to know, like, did it feel overbearing? No, actually, so let me ask you this. Did you know enough of H.G. Wells to know, like, I think that's H.G. Wells before they got to the end? I mean, I, you know, so of course, my 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 historical Doctor Who knowledge is all so mixed together. I don't know when I first knew. Um, it's not, I, it doesn't feel quite as in your face. Um, and it's not the same story as the time. I love the story of the time machine. I love the movie, the original time machine movie with um, uh, with a guy in it and um, other guy. Oh, yeah, the two uh, guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those guys it's, did a lot of great movies together. It's, uh, it's the guy who's uh, he's really good looking. He's gay. Not Mark Gatiss. It's another gay guy. Uh, the other one. There's, there's How Mark many gay Gatiss. guys are there? <laughs> another one. Uh, and also it's the guy who played uh, who played Wilbur and Mr. Ed. Uh, uh, and um, uh, well, anyway. I feel like I've given people enough to really find. Yeah, it. I think you painted a real picture. Rod Taylor and Rod Alan Taylor, Young. That's it. Yes, Rod yeah. Taylor's great. And Alan Young, yes, exactly. And then Mr. Ed was played by a horse who's not does not appear. <laughs> uh, just got a got a story by credit, but that's it. Uncredited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, story by. <laughs> uh, and but anyway, great movie. If you haven't seen it, it's it's well worth seeing. I have not. Oh, it's really good. Uh, and um, uh, so yeah, it doesn't. It it you know they use sort of the names of characters, but it doesn't. It doesn't really repeat the story. Um, so uh, you know, again, but again, I I don't know. I guess it doesn't bother me as much if, if I'm like, what? How dare you besmirch H.G. Wells who made up all this stuff that was fictional and then suggest that he didn't make up all the stuff that someone else made up all this stuff. Like, yeah, it's, <laughs> I guess it's, I guess it's okay. Um, uh, yeah, but it is, it is interesting. Like, so the, it's, it's, we talked about this a little bit early in another podcast, I think a little bit about when they go back in history, um, they could either, they couldn't do anything, right? Like they can't change history. Um, and I feel like these kinds of things, uh, the other option, which I guess we didn't really acknowledge is the other option is, well, they could have, they could turn out to have make it themselves, right? They could be like, okay, you know, history wouldn't have happened, but for us, 
so rather than being casual observers uh, who just have to be like, look, it's William Shakespeare and he's doing a play. All right, well, we should go. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, they can be like, ah, isn't that clever? They are the ones who, who created it. Yeah, I, I, no, I, I guess like the finding... jury is out. It's like, is it is it clever to suggest that or not? I don't know. I like I like the approach that you mentioned that this writer took here, which is filling a gap. Yeah. Of saying, um, you know, and I think which was sort of done, honestly, with the Dickens episode, too. I, I These episodes remind me a lot of each other. I yeah. really enjoy both of them. But uh, they fill in a gap. Um, the doctor affects the historical character, but doesn't sort of give them everything we know about them. Um, they're sort of. As you would imagine, so, you know, the doctor is this magnetic personality. He, if he's meeting these sort of geniuses, they're inherently going to be interested in the doctor. And what I love is that the we didn't even talk about this, that Shakespeare, like, immediately, figures yeah. yeah, figures out who who he is. And, and oh, this is a new wrinkle, I think, for me. Uh, and you can let me know if this was introduced, that Shakespeare says when he holds up the psychic paper set, that's just a sheet of paper. Yeah. And is that a new thing? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, again, like the sonic screwdriver, I think they need to be times when it doesn't work. Uh, but yeah, they just sort of establish that, that people who are, you know, stronger willed or smarter or whatever, aren't going to be taken in by the, the psychic after, paper. After I saw that, I was like, that'd be me. I'd figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd definitely figure yeah, it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause people, uh, I would probably have just been like, what are you flash? Why would you flash a billfold? That means something that <laughs> happens like, you know, this isn't, ncis uh or Be like hey there doctor i know who you are don't try flashing that thing to me oh you just have brooklyn cop now hey there oh well, well that's more no, no, Chicago. That's, no this Chicago. is down there this is down there in uh in uh phil in philadelphia ah uh, yeah hey there water Water, water, water. Well, I, yeah. well, I think we've gotten away from his history uh, yeah yeah but, <laughs> but did someone come back in time and give us that theme section yeah and I if so, so. Mm. Does that make the theme section less effective for people? You're like, oh, well, you know, they didn't come up with that themselves. That's just, just something they somebody just gave it to them. Like I said in the opening, it's like, is it if a butterfly flaps its wings or it's like, what if a butterfly beats the crap out of you? That's yeah. the other question. Yeah. It's like the butterfly comes back and just like murders hundreds of people. Then how does that affect history? Yeah, if, that, though, if that's your sci-fi story, I feel like you're missing the really exciting. If you're just like the butterfly murders a whole bunch of people and you're like, He's changed history. I was like, well, you could probably <laughs> instead focus on the, the murderous butterfly. <laughs> but to actually be like, that butterfly has changed history. <laughs> John, how you doing? Hey. Good? Everything good? No, Everything good? No. You need anything? No. This is a disaster. Right, I'm any, working uh... out the science here on our Excel spreadsheet. Okay. I've got a, a team with me, a team of crack mm -hmm. mathematicians. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been working all week on this, and okay. we're very excited about where it's headed. Did no. it help when I showed you exactly what to do? No, no, I, I, I think I've deleted the entire spreadsheet. Oh, good. Uh, good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I've now ranked the Shakespeare code uh, thirty-seven times. It's actually okay. it's now currently one through thirty-seven <laughs> on the rankings. <laughs> well, each time you destroy my ranking spreadsheet, I mm. build it back stronger. Mm. Okay. All right. Fair, fair enough. Um, I'm move the companions. Okay, so we uh, what do we do? We rank things here, yeah, and let me tell you about it. There are 295 happens. Doctor Who stories. Boom. We have ranked. Oh, how many have we ranked? Forty-four. I think we've ranked forty-four. Yeah, yeah. So oh. this will be two more. Okay, that is happening. 
this is all coming together now. I, I we both rank, and then by the way, so this is a new feature mm. on the rankings now. We both rank, and you can see our rankings. Yeah. And then there's a combined show ranking that averages yeah. Yeah. our two rankings together, which is very yeah. exciting. As if we were one person. As if That's our individual right. identities no longer matter. That's right. And we are just podcast. We are podcast, which is <laughs> I our- am become podcast <laughs> destroyer <laughs> of worlds podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rank first as I'm going to do. You should do that. Let me I'm tell gonna, you something. I'm, I'm working out the formula thing here because if I found it, if you put two in one cell and two in another cell, <laughs> if you hack into the system, you can okay. you can hack in and alter the base code, uh, and oh. it will tell you it will put four in another cell. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's that's my my team's been working on that all week. Uh, we're Lucky. ready we're ready to roll that out into production. So just watch out. World. I'm I'm gonna rank the Shakespeare code. <laughs> yeah. Do do you want to be shocked? Okay. Is it number one? It's my number one. Wow. My, wow. One. Wow. That's shock job. I, I shock like. Yeah. I, I just. I, I was thinking about where to rank, and I was like, I just really enjoyed this. I yeah. really enjoyed this mm-hmm. episode. As you mentioned at the beginning, it's not like it's the most complicated or most interesting, mm-hmm. but like I think I clearly really like the historical ones. I have like Tooth and Claw and um. The Unquiet Dead. Well, Unquiet Dead's still pretty high. But I like these historical ones. But uh, this is just, like I said before, it's just so charming. There's not there's not a moment in this that I would write differently. It's like, this is great. Like, this is all done very well. It's very enjoyable. The Shakespeare character is great. I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, on a lark, on a lark, I put it at the top. Now, this is, we've talked about this before, that normally, when I don't necessarily know if this is on purpose, but when you pair episodes together, they often end up being ranked somewhat similarly. Mm. Uh, that is going to change with, with <laughs> so this. So Time Lash isn't number two. Okay. No, no. Now, it, it, it is at the bottom. So then I have to go into kind of this little thing here of like, well, what would I really put it uh, below or above? I decided... Uh, you know, I'm moving down here like, oh, well, the kind of not strong new episodes like Boomtown, Long Game. Um, I said, well, I'll put it below those. Uh, new Earth, I put it below that. Uh, then I get to the Demons, Vengeance on Varus, and Meglos for me. And I'm like, those are all kind of like more fun, hmm. bad episodes. So I put it below that. And then uh, a recent uh, arrival to the bottom of the list, the Stones of Blood. <laughs> that was that was my line. That was oh, my uh, imaginal oh, line. I said I'm wrong. not yeah. not going past that. So I have Time Lash above Stones of Blood, Fear Her, Edge of Destruction, Mind Robber, Love and Monster. So it, it's it's not the very bottom, but it's um I guess like uh, five or six up from the bottom there. But yeah, that's the biggest I think difference of any two episodes. I have number one and number forty one. Well, so first of all, I'm just going to give you a heads up that um, I, I've I've actually completed the show run, the podcast run up to the current uh, stories, uh, and um, the the connections are going th- in certain places are going to start to get <laughs> loose, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, really, really stretching in a few places, and 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 so yeah, uh, the, the, maybe the, um, the 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 link between the two. Now, also, there's some wizardry here. How is it, does it when you start typing in, it starts to autocomplete, but it's got all the Doctor Who stories? How did yeah. you do that? Did you link I, that to some sort of database? I made a little database for us. Oh, wow. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, so I have accidentally ranked 
seven other stories that have time in them. Uh, so anyway, we'll, right. just, we'll come back to that. And he also somehow put Hill Street Blues in there five <laughs> yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's well, it's good show. It is a good show. Um, uh, yeah, Shakespeare Code. I like. It's in my middle of the pack. Uh, and I ended up kind of the going, middle of the pack. The pack. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should we should have that if we if we were a morning radio show yeah, yeah. we would have those little sound bites we could feed in um and yeah as i was going again going down the list um i eventually i put it right next to the unquiet dead because I, I think again strong episode yeah, quality uh very similar um uh and yeah it's 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 good it's a good solid episode it doesn't it doesn't excite me uh verily uh nor does it does it anger me um so <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's where i am um uh, uh, that's you know when when sometimes when when Mike is trying to get me in the mood, I go, "This doesn't excite me, nor does it anger <laughs> nor me." Nor does it anger me. <laughs> <laughs> like very well, you may proceed. It's very romantic. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, so I got it at number uh twenty, I think, because you minus one, which is the, the one block, and then yeah, okay, so I got number twenty. Okay, one, twenty, twenty. It's definitely it's in the twenties, um, and then uh, so after Rose uh, above the Unquiet Dead, uh, we've got a, a pack of sort of, of, of I think uh, newer series episodes, and then uh, Time Lash is going all the way down. Yeah, uh, wow. it's my new. It's my actually number fifty, even though we've only ranked forty uh, forty six <laughs> stories. It's it's way down. You're like I don't care the next two that come. <laughs> They're definitely better than this. Um, yeah, it's, wow. it's, I've tried. Uh, it's I, I appreciate what the Doctor Who magazine review trying to do with it um it's just it's it's again maybe maybe partly for me uh classic series episodes have to be rewatchable because for a long time i only had those uh you know they weren't making new ones and so i was contemplating life rewatching these same stories over and over again and so you know it had to be like is this gonna is this gonna get into the rotation you know i can watch earth Chuck five times a year but this one uh so yeah it's, it doesn't have a ton of rewatchability for me and it's just it just um as I, as I was thinking about it and going through it, I was like, as you kind of said, like Benjo Sonvaros has things that redeem it in some ways. Um, and this one, I just couldn't find anything that made me think, oh, yeah, this is, well, look, this is worth checking out. Here's how I think about comparing the two. Pushing into the time lash where you just fade out or pushing into a vat of acid yeah i mean vat of acid wins yeah. that every time yeah and and you can't you can't you can't replay with the pronunciation timolash no <laughs> the bars and the timolash and yeah. still come on no, no, nobody compares to sill in this yeah so. right yeah there's no sill yeah uh, yeah yeah so um yeah wow that's, straight that's to the bottom is. straight to the bottom well, so I also want to update uh, exciting kind of unpublished. I'll have to figure out Ooh. a place to put this on the site. Mm -hmm. But my my companions who should have Ooh. been people, companions who weren't, who mm -hmm. should have been uh, Herbert from Time Lash. I'm going to put onto the slits. It's it's a, only six people. Mm -hmm. And Herbert's going to go on at number two. So I'll just relay mm -hmm. the whole list here. There's Ray from Delta and the Bannerman. He's also been ionized. Yeah. Also a great. He's been ionized. <laughs> uh, also a terrible episode. So it's really funny. A lot of these are coming from really terrible episodes. Maybe that's what it is. I want to rescue them, John. I want to yeah. take them from these terrible episodes. Ray from Dental and the Bannerman. Herbert from Timelash. Mrs. Moore from Rise of the Cybermen. I that's a good episode, but I, yeah, she's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. Organon from Creature in the Pit. Oh, yeah. Old Wizard. Uh, the Soothsayer or the yeah. uh, the Oracle. Yeah. 
Professor Rumford from Stones of Blood. Yeah, I Rumford, had her yeah. in there. I think she and Mrs. Moore would be a great team. Yeah, right? That. They should have their own series. Yeah. And then uh, staying on the list, the, the possibly gay boy from yeah. Idiot's Lantern. Yeah. Really just because it didn't seem like he got a full... He needs a couple episodes yeah. to really see what we know about him. Unnamed gay boy. Unnamed gay child. Parentheses, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yes. Unnamed, parentheses, possibly gay boy. Um. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. So there are that's that's the that's the hot list. stick that's companions who weren't. Yeah. Uh well, you know, John, uh yeah. if people disagree with any of this stuff, uh too bad. I mean that's just too <laughs> bad for it. them. It's, we're not gonna um, change it. We are not one of those podcasts. But you can see our full rankings on mindprobe.show. Like I mentioned, you can also uh see you can kind of filter things by which doctor and which series and all these things like that. It's very fancy. You can hack uh, the code if you can figure it out. Which, if you can figure it out. Yeah, I mean, good luck because I've I've had a team of people here for weeks. Uh and we're still we're still crunching numbers. Yeah. Clipboards, lights beeping behind us and yeah. Let me ask you, your team of people, do you tip? How much do you tip a team? <laughs> you have a whole so you, team of people. If they did anything useful, I'm like, oh, have you oh, cracked right. this code? Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. no. I'm just ranking time last 14 times. Way to go. <laughs> Well, you can see notes from our mm-hmm. episodes too. John puts a lot of time in the in on those. Uh, you, you can, can search uh, in vain for our email. Uh, you can search still in vain not, for email. Still, still not time. <laughs> so I, like, I got to move the host. I just haven't had time. Yeah. Um, you Stupid look. Host. If people start reaching out in other ways, indicating that they want to contact us, I'll light a fire under myself for yeah. it. But yeah. for yeah. right now, if I start getting like LinkedIn messages, like yeah. please, please, I want to contact you about the podcast. I don't understand the spreadsheet, and you'd be um, like, "John, just text me." And I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> sorry." <laughs> look, you can also subscribe to the podcast in yep. your podcast and you uh, player of choice. You should rate it. You should yes. rate us five yes. stars uh, yes. in iTunes or, or anywhere. Um, but if it's less than four stars, keep it to yourself. That's right. Nobody, That's we don't right. need to know. But definitely subscribe. Makes it easier. We put these episodes out every Saturday afternoon. I'm considering changing this to maybe Ooh. a weekday. I'm considering yeah. it. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know. I'm thinking yeah. about it. You don't want to. Um, but we're we're picking. You don't want to mess with success. <laughs> we get up to <laughs> two hits on our webpage a day. So hey, look, next episode very exciting. Mm. It's gonna be our 25th episode. We're yeah. we're a good bit so of the way toward yeah. uh toward our goal here. They can uh, still e- tweet you, right? Oh yes, people You're can still tweetable? tweet me. I'm at Porter Mason. I still remain on Twitter. I do mm-hmm. check my my mentions, so uh, definitely use the hashtag. Hey, no, not the Mind Probe. Why don't you have email yet? And you can use that, and I'll open yeah. it right up, and I'll yeah. respond to you, and I'll use little hashtags, and probably I'll put a little meme in there for you if you Ooh, need a little meme. People love yeah. people love the memes. Uh, for yeah, me sure. again, tweet at Pratt Pratt Pratt. Uh, mm-hmm, it's Chris mm-hmm. Pratt's uh, Twitter account, uh, and and just whatever your message is, say he'll, he'll try to get in touch with me. You know, and just be like, hey, I thought this podcast was about Doctor Who. But there seems to be a lot of discussion about Benson. Uh, and, you know, I feel <laughs> like the Benson, Blues, uh... the Benson podcast market is saturated. You know, there's the Benson Experience, the Benson Weekly, the Gatling yeah. Girls, uh, <laughs> the Ingus Benson Experience. You know, just a lot, a lot of Benson content out there. And I want to hear about Dr. Now, you'll run out of your character limit at this point. Uh, but, you know, that's OK. Push messages. through it. Yeah. You just got to push through that. Hey. Pratt will, if he he'll know you're serious if you send multiple in. Know, one of 18 uh, uh, tweets, and most of them are just listing non-existent Benson podcast. But that's how you get his attention. That's John, ideally, we're going to do another episode next week. Sure. Uh, what's what's going to be in that? Uh, okay. Well, once again, uh, just just marching 
grimly through through the new series in order uh unrelenting uh i would say i would call it it's Uh, not grim it's a it's an exciting romp a feast for the senses it's a romp if you have ever thought uh i think it would be an exciting adventure about being caught in traffic uh then this is it this is the one for you. Oh, it is. Uh, it is the next episode uh, uh, of the uh, Martha Tenth uh, Doctor series, uh, Gridlock, uh, and they return mm. to New 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 York, uh, and a uh, great episode there. Um, I and, thought you were having and, a stroke there briefly. Yeah, but <laughs> basically. No. Uh, and then we connect that um, to um, to another dystopian future. Uh, but also connected by the monster, interestingly, and, and mm. really unexpectedly, by the way. Mm. Uh, we have the Macra Terror, uh, which is a second Doctor story. And, and, mm. I'm just throw some, some details out here. Available now as an animated uh, DVD. So the original soundtrack, and then they have they've created, it did not actually go out animated. It wasn't like they were just like, let's just try something different here and animate <laughs> one. Uh, it was, a, you know, it was originally a recording with actual people. They got, they lost that. They're like, oh, oh crap. Uh, and then uh, they replaced it. They have the original soundtrack because people even in the 60s were geeks and recorded off air. And they used the original off air recordings and matched them up with uh, a new animation. So uh, if you have the opportunity to check out the the new DVD animation, um, please do. And, I might, yeah, and that's what we're going to talk about, John. Uh, <laughs> we're uh, we're at the end of things here, and should there be another podcast, I'll yeah. explain to you in great detail which of the many time laws I'm not allowed to transgress. Hmm. For example, when returning from travel to the past, always leave a thank you note, or hmm. when visiting the future, remember to use your utensils from the outside in. Hmm. If you arrive at a party more than 15 minutes before the designated start date, then always use a time machine to jump yourself forward such that you'll be there shortly after the advertised start time of the party. And that one supersedes all other time laws. So if you're too early to a party, even if you have to like kill your own grandpa to delay yourself a little, you do that. That's worth doing. You don't show up early to a party. Hmm. Yeah. All right. This is useful information because uh, I am consistently early to parties and then I refuse no, to leave. No. No, no, it's just, it's just, this is all bad all the way around. Yeah. We have to return. We have to develop time travel to return and improve your attendance yeah. at parties. Yeah. To get me invited to the party. If we go back in time. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Are you not even invited to these parties no. that you're so showing I'm, up early at? I'm early. Not I'm not invited. <laughs> and then, but, but see, then I'm. Is then that how like, you announce yourself? Hey. Hi, I'm early and I wasn't invited. I wasn't invited. Uh, no, you show up and you pretend you don't know there's a party, and then they're like, uh, it's a, they get nervous there's a party coming up, and they're like, I, I better invite him because it'd be rude to just kick him out. And I'm like, oh, I'll stand, and I refuse to leave. I think some of these things that you're seeing as parties are actually you're just trespassing. Like there's yeah. there's nothing uh, like there weren't any other people there. Uh, I showed uh, up uh, and I said, I'm early, and I wasn't invited. And then yeah. they call the police. I, I do that at wakes. And, you know, again, people don't want to make a scene at a wake, so I'm like, I'm early. I'm way early. (laughs) 
and like sometimes it's the hospital room. The person hasn't even died yet. I'm like, I'm early. <laughs> <laughs> I want somebody to the wake. <laughs> and they're like, uh, and then, then he dies, and they're uh. like, well, he knows it's awake now. Like we can't get out of this. <laughs> he, he knows when we got to invite him. That's that's my tip, Probers. That's my tip. If you want to get invited to awake, be there at the death, because then they they cannot get out of inviting us to wake. Oh no, you yeah. broke up briefly, so I'm gonna have to just say here here to the future. Is to the future. Okay. <laughs>